Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and I'm joined for a post-game edition with NY Hoya. The Hoyas just snapped a two-game slide by beating Butler 78-63 to in a game where Jamarco Pickett and Javon Blair both went over the 1,000 career point mark. This is the Hoyas' first win against Butler at home since 2015 when Isaac Copeland hit a shot from the corner and DSR blocked a Roosevelt Jones runner-ish type situation. The Hoyas had 23 turnovers. They did have uh, hot shooting from three, 11 for 22. They shot over 50%. They held Butler to under 40% shooting. Chudier Belay responded after last game. Well, I guess the whole team responded after last game. He had 17 points. Blair had 17 points and Pickett had 13 and why this was uh it was a great response the win was good but man there was times where this was kind of a game where you know maybe only a mother could love it's probably the most painful route I've ever watched (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and as as we were counting down the the number of points needed for Jamarco and Javon to get to a thousand points I was also wondering how close they were to a thousand turnovers too you know, at one point online, I saw Javon with 10 turnovers, but obviously the final stat line was nine. So let me just give you his full line real quick, because it's probably one of the odder lines you'll ever see. So he had 17 points. That's his average. Seven rebounds. That's pretty good for a guard. Six assists. He's gotten better at that this year. Nine turnovers, but his plus minus was plus 16. Now, I'm not going to do it, but I, you know there are databases where you can just punch these things in. But if to have nine turnovers, I got to imagine that the it's very rare to be positive. And to be plus 16 just kind of shows you how just unusual, unique, whatever you want to call it, that this uh, this 40 minutes of action was. It's not surprising because, <laughs> I mean, we won by fi- we won by 15 and he played 37 minutes. So yeah. that his plus minus is basically our margin of victory. And yeah. you're right. His his stat line is I immediately saw it and texted it out to my brother and, and others, just such a unique stat line, a near quadruple double. Uh, he also had two steals yeah. and take a look at, take a look at Jamarco's stat line too. Also really interesting. I think it was 13 points, seven rebounds, four assists, four steals, four turnovers yeah. in 34 minutes or so. So also just a, some really good uh, with some, with some pretty bad, but Blair's, Six assists and two steals, great. Nine turnovers, that's got to be the highest he's had in his career. And and Pickett, four four assists, unexpected. The rebounds, great. Uh, the the four steals, fantastic. But again, with the four with the four turnovers. And the thing about these turnovers, they're not turnovers that you can accept. These are turnovers just because of bad passes, bad decisions, just badness all around uh and and i know butler had its fair share of turnovers and looked dreadful at times but it's just so hard watching this team sometimes and this is now back-to-back games with 20 plus turnovers just just painful at times well you know what wasn't painful is the fact that That w yeah the w i mean and you know what and i know we all have certain teams and coaches that we sort of disrespect and I kind of always disrespect Butler. So the fact that they had found a way to win five straight here, 
I pointed out on Twitter, people were not excited. I said, look, you know, when Georgetown was up 16, I said, this isn't even their largest lead at the half against this team during the losing streak because they, they were up 18 in Patrick's first season, lost that game in double overtime. There have been some some really unlikely players that have hit crazy shots for them. And the fact that Georgetown wins at Hinkle, that's not a total surprise to me because I don't think Butler has been particularly good. I know, look, I know they've been better than Georgetown the last five years, but you know what I mean? Like, like this is one of the teams, them in Providence, I just really disrespect as far as the way that they play basketball. And so I think from that standpoint, it was really good for them to get the win. Uh, I did ask Patrick about it. I said, you know, obviously I know you want to win all your games, but is it nice to kind of get the monkey off the back of, you know, you hadn't beat Butler at home. Um, and, you know, he was like, yeah, well, we usually beat them there. So it was nice to see it reverse. Well, I kind of want to see the sweep, but I know what he means. But do you have that same kind of feeling about uh, Butler? I even disrespect their final four runs. This is like the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Now, the fact they did it two years in a row, it's obviously not just BS, right? But I'm just like, what am I watching? I, I actually feel the opposite. I Ooh. I respect Butler. I respect Butler's program. I like okay. how they usually play fundamentally sound basketball. I like Laval Jordan. I like the fact that he was wearing that John Thompson Jr. shirt today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I've no problem with Butler. I think that the to the extent people don't like Butler, it's because you feel like you're often getting, uh, you know, outplayed by a slow-moving, fundamentally sound <laughs> team with a, with a bunch of guys who aren't as athletic as the guys on your team. But it's, it, I mean, the the thing I don't like about Butler is consistently blowing double digit leads year <laughs> after year. And so yeah. despite the 23 turnovers, I will take a home victory in which we preserved a double digit lead for basically 30 minutes of this game. So I can't I can't complain about that. I'll complain about some of the the, the play and the and decisions that were made, but I, I can't complain about the result or the fact that it was comfortable almost the whole way with the exception of the first two minutes. Okay, you made me think of a couple of things. Let's start with this one. When did you feel like it was safe to, you know, celebrate? Not, not you know, obviously celebrate. You're not popping champagne. But when did you say, okay, look, I think this one's over. I, I hate to I hate to say this because I know everyone is expecting not till there was two minutes left. And uh, <laughs> but but I, I felt I felt pretty good about this one when it was 20 plus points with 10 minutes to go. Yeah. And I have not had that feeling all season. So I will I will take it and run with it. Having a comfortable win, rebounding after two tough losses like this, with a week in between games especially, gives us something to kind of celebrate and relish for a bit before before Seton Hall next. So I can't complain about that. Yeah, I know you're not a big Twitter guy, but I pretty early in the second half tweeted something like, look, I think at that point Georgetown might have been up like – I'd have to go back and look, but like something like 40 to 23 or something like that. And I just said, look, at this point, you got to start thinking, what's the most Butler can even get to? You know what I mean? Like, like it's, you know, it's, it's not like they're just a, you know, a really good offensive team that's struggling and you know, they're going to get hot. Like you're playing a team that's kind of, kind of, you know, they have like a certain like upward limit. And at that point I thought, I think I, I said like 56 or something. So they got, they got, they got to 63, but, yeah, I felt pretty good that even at the end when, you know, Javon's getting technical fouls and, you know, Patrick's taking them out. And, you know, I think they had, I think Butler had a four point play at one, you know, there was one possession where they had a four point play, but it was just like, you know, this, this group, even if Georgetown got up to like, 
closer to 30 turnovers. I just, I just didn't see it happening. I, I wasn't, I wasn't suggesting that online, but I, it, it just seemed like, you know what? Everyone needs to calm down. Like, yes, Georgetown blows leads. Jamarco talked about that in the post game. I think he said it was, you know, Achilles heel since he, since he'd been there, but this seemed like a pretty good opponent. If, you know, if it's like Seton Hall, and you know you got guys like Kale and Roden that can sort of heat it up. Like you're like, look, I don't feel safe yet. But I think against against uh, Butler, you felt safe. I didn't get a chance to ask Patrick this. I asked him some other stuff, but I'll ask you. Look, it's it's not like let's say they don't play a game this week. Hopefully they do. Well, that's yet to be determined. But it's not like they're going to come out against Seton Hall and have like eight turnovers, right? They're not going to have like twelve. Agreed. There have been games where they've only had 10 turnovers or so. They're averaging 15, now maybe 16 turnovers yeah. a game. So it's unlikely, but it's, it, it is possible. I wouldn't know. Okay. Well, this hear is, me this out. This is also the first time, this is the first time, by the way, someone has ever said to me, I didn't get a chance to ask Patrick <laughs> Ewing this question, so I'll ask you. So thank you for that. People confuse us all the time. <laughs> okay. So I'm looking real quick. They had seven against Providence which is the only game this year that they had fewer than 12. So I feel pretty good about my statement. Okay. They're going to come out next game. They're going to have turnovers, but hear me out. And maybe I'll ask Patrick midweek if we get a chance to talk to him, which I'm sure we will. You have to just look at your team. It is, you know, you have like a month left. Like they're not just going to become completely different at basketball. Javon, obviously like he doesn't need to be near 10, maybe closer to four or five. Um, Maybe Jamarco cuts down a little bit and you get that number like 16, 17, but you can kind of win like points off of turnovers. Butler only outscored Georgetown 25 to 20. Okay. So basically, you know, you're a team that's kind of turnover prone. You do want to push the pace. If you shoot well and you limit the kind of turnovers where it's like, it's a bad pass out of bounds compared to it's a bad pass for a layup. It's almost like you have to find a way if you're Georgetown to win with 18 turnovers. I know no one wants to admit to that, but isn't that kind of where you are? I guess, but these are these are just unforced <laughs> errors that seem to me correctable. Okay. There, there are certain there are certain things at, at this stage that you, you can't fix. Like Jamarco Pickett struggles when he dribbles the ball in certain spots, but but there are other things that you, you can fix. Like for example, use two hands when you pass the ball. I know it's I know it's a simple thing, but we see so many, especially from from Javon and Jamarco kind of one-handed lazy passes that is so correctable and and has been for some time and or or when you deliver the ball on the post don't throw it at a guy's feet you know give a high target and for for Wahab in the paint don't dribble when you catch the ball never dribble you know, never dribble the basket yeah. don't bring the ball down low keep it up yeah. high go straight up don't for for both Wahab and Ego Efe and and Bile and and for Bile too I know he had that coast to coast rebound I was cringing that entire time that <laughs> during that play but he he also he gets he gets caught in the middle where he tries to dribble from the perimeter and that usually doesn't turn out well for him uh now today he was able to cut down on the turnovers and played significantly better than he did in the last game because he didn't try to do too much he didn't take i don't know that Belay took a single contested shot which shows a lot of progress but those are the things where i think you can you know they they really can improve. So I wouldn't. I know I know it's late in the season, but I, I wouldn't just like they can't get better. I tell you what, you know, Ewing post Creighton said the word selfish. You know, if you're if you're playing a Patrick Ewing says selfish drinking game, you would have passed out before the Zoom was over. 
And I want to say that a decent amount of that was directed at Belay. Okay. And he's kind of become the bellwether for this right team, like how their success is. And if he gives you what he did today, 17 points, only took three threes, made two, seven for seven from the line, six rebounds, you know, a couple blocks in 30 minutes. If he gives you that, you know, Georgetown's six and 10. If he'd been doing that from the start, Georgetown's probably 10 and six. You know, I want to, let's go ahead and reverse Navy. Let's maybe reverse Syracuse, pick one of either Butler Marquette, his success, and then carry for the first time as a sub, he came to life. He had 10 points. He had a couple threes. He got to the line. This is a team that doesn't get to the line. Do you think it does kind of hinge on those on those grad transfers if you can kind of get 30-plus from uh, Blair and Pickett? You mean year, this year? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Belay is really the only guy who can, can consistently get to the free throw line. And so yeah. when we haven't done well this season, it's because – Belay and Wahab are in foul trouble or can't get to the line or have too many are too sloppy with the ball. So I, I do think that those guys tend their play tends to determine wins and losses because at this point you kind of know what you're getting out of Blair and Pickett and, and Harris, even though, you know, Pickett for a long stretch there was not playing very well. I mean, I think even the, in, even in the Villanova game, there was, uh, there was a line from the color commentator who was like, Pickett has not been playing well at all. <laughs> and, and then, which I thought was shocking to say about any college player from an announcer, but there was that five game stretch where he, he really struggled and he's been much, much better in the last few games. You know, speaking of the commentators, I do like Lapis and he's done a couple games recently. Did you hear the first time that he kind of, you know, he said, I, I didn't write down exactly what it was, but he said something like about, you know, big John, and he's like, oh, not to be confused with, you know, JT3. And then he said something that sat like, it was like, did he just take a shot at JT3? And I was like, I must have heard that wrong. And then maybe like, you know, 20, 30 minutes later in the broadcast, they 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 put them on camera. And he was like, look, I did not say what I think some people think I said about JT3. He was a really good coach. I've never said anything bad about a coach in a broadcast. Did you catch when it happened live? And did you catch when uh, Lapis, you know, gave his... Uh, explanation yeah i i didn't i i did not catch when it happened live i heard the explanation i don't have i i it would shock me if he said something negative about jt3 so i'm right. sure it was it was it was nothing like that but i don't i i i have i have no opinion on on that stuff i'm sure i, I don't think he said anything slanderous against jt3 and uh he's fine yeah no i wish i had wrote it down because it was like he was trying to, I think when he was speaking initially, he was trying to differentiate between the Thompsons and he said something, he talks really fast. All these coaches do. And I kind of did like a, what? And then I was like, nah, there's no way. Cause people just don't talk like that. So I actually, like I said, I actually like, I actually like Lapis on the call. what do you think? So the game starts, Georgetown looks terrible. And I was like, well, you know, it's only four nothing. Like if it was like twelve nothing, you know, we've seen that story before. Four nothing. Ewing's gotten in the habit of what a lot of people call the early NBA timeout. I have no problem with it. Some people seem to think it's a waste in college. Whatever he said in that timeout worked. Yeah. I, I almost feel like doing like a a round of like likes and dislikes for this game. Sure. Because there sure. were a number of things I almost um and, and let's let's start with 
let's start with a dislike then. Maybe we can go dislike, like, dislike. Well, we're like, starting but... on a like. We're starting on a like. So we're, we're starting on. A, oh, so you're saying you liked the early timeout? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can pair that with a dislike then because I, I, I have no problem with the early timeout to get control of the team. We started off sluggish exactly as we did against Creighton. Yeah. And I fell behind for nothing. And we responded well with a lot more energy and intensity. But my dislike is this is probably the eighth or ninth game this season where we get off to a start. We're down four, six, eight, ten, nothing. And we call a timeout. So this is this is a, this is basically a pattern of slow starts. The, the number of times where we got off to hot starts this season, maybe once or maybe twice all year. So I think the the early sluggish play leading to a timeout. While I appreciate the timeout, the the you know the uneven starts are a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think the conventional wisdom is like you should be able to survive until the first media timeout without using one of yours. But so I totally understand that, but I do like the idea of rec- of viewing, recognizing who his group is, what they are and are not capable at times and being like, screw this. We're calling a timeout. I don't care if I need one late because you know what? That late timeout might not matter. So I'm totally, I'm totally cool with it, but yes, you would like it to, you know, not be a thing. And with, He's changed the lineup, you know, a couple times in the last few weeks. You know, we saw we saw Ego FA start. Uh, Bile has been starting recently. It's not like it's you know the same group all the time. And out of that timeout, he doesn't usually make a change anyway. So it's just the same group that he just ta- saw like two minutes earlier. Just come on, concentrate. Didn't like, and this is probably going to be something I could say every time in a game where you're up twenty five in the second yep. half against a team Sub- that substitution patterns. You're right. <laughs> you, you, you know, like at some point you're just like, wow, you, um, Sibley and Clark, maybe this would be a time you mentioned uh, Blair's stat line of 37 minutes. Maybe if Jalen Harris is part of the team, Ewing would feel more comfortable with putting Berger in more because then it's not a Berger Harris backcourt, but you do like to think in a game where you're up 25 against Butler, you'd find a way to get some run for those guys. Absolutely. And I don't think it's limited to the second half because it it was, I want to say a good seven minutes before we saw the first substitution in this game. And I know our guys were playing well. And I know that nobody was in foul trouble. There there weren't a lot of whistles in the first seven minutes or so, but it took a long time before Carrie subbed into the game and before Ego Efe subbed into the game. And even when those guys came in, whether it was the first half or the second half, it was, it was like, you know, the sort of NBA or hockey lineup rotations where it was three guys at once. Instead of weaving in one player at a time, it was, you know, bringing in Carrie and Ego F.A. and Sibley all at once or Carrie and Ego F.A. together uh, in an A and B sort of fashion. I, it would have been so nice and refreshing, especially in the second half. We're up 20 plus points with 12 minutes to go, 10 minutes to go, just to have Sibley playing with four starters, uh, maybe give Blair a breather or put Berger in there with four guys or put Kobe Clark in there, yeah. one or two guys off the bench at a time. And then he finally puts Malcolm Wilson in the game for all of 15 seconds because Wilson throws the ball away off of Blair's fingertips. And he takes him out immediately. And I, I'm, I know that people were critical of JT3 for not having enough fire in his belly or, you know, benching guys after doing something stupid. In this case, 
Wilson's in the in the game for literally 15 seconds, and he pulls him in, right away, and just not giving him enough run at all. I, I thought Blair, Pickett, Wahab, uh, Dante Harris too, all could have given gotten a bit more time on on the bench to try to weave in some of these younger guys. Harris, I love him getting a good look early, particularly for a three. He's not really a three-point shooter, but he's hit some. And I feel he had a great game, nine points. He was four for eight, six rebounds, four assists. You know, he's your point guard. He had 23 turnovers as a team. He only had one, okay? So I thought that was a great performance by Dante. And when he hits an early shot, I feel like good things are coming. Absolutely like, no question. He he played really well today. Against Villanova, I remember telling uh my brother at one point if you know, because he's because he doesn't do much from the perimeter I, I said if we had hit if, if he hits two threes we probably beat Villanova in that second half he hit one he missed another wide open three and then maybe missed a third in the second half and I, I really do feel like if he hit one or two more shots in that game it it forces Villanova to guard him a little more tightly and opens things up for us on the inside but in this game he he played within himself. He had some nice drives to the basket for easy layups. Uh, he has the ability to kind of, you know, get that deep two away, although we didn't see that in this game. And it just comes down to the perimeter shooting with him. If he's able to hit two threes a game uh, when he gets those open looks, that adds something to the scene that we've been missing for most of the season. So I really appreciate his composure. I think the the only knock on him maybe in this game is, and it really goes for the whole team, we are up by 20 for a bit. We were up by double digits for so long, and yet our backcourt just kept pushing the pace unnecessarily when there wasn't a reason to do so, when there wasn't an advantage. And Dante has to do what he did against, like in that game at Creighton. Just He has to be the guy to settle things down, use some clock, and, and manage the team because Blair – has shown that he can't do that yeah I agree with that I just don't think that I think that you know it's one of these instances where a coach will tell you this is how we play and we're not gonna turn on and off so I would think that this is a message from the top of this is our style and I know we're up but you know we're probably just as likely to turn it over if we try and do something that we don't practice than the you know obviously giving away the ball when when we're up you come up with another dislike over there? Well, I, I mentioned the the one-handed passes, <laughs> especially, especially from Blair and Pickett. Uh, would you consider yourself – after he jumped. What's that? Would you consider yourself a passing consultant for hire? No, not at all. <laughs> but it, it's the – you know, some teams refer to it as playing a little too casually, no pun intended, but it, it's the casual – it's the casual passes. It's – you have to throw you have to throw the ball and catch the ball with conviction and too often guys are just sort of you know just flinging it in there with one hand and not going after the ball with two hands and so it's it's a fault of both the guys passing and our big man who can big men who can catch the ball with a little bit more conviction and then go up strong but that's been a that's been a problem for us I mean, really all season. And it this is what leads to a number of turnovers, including the first turnover of the game, which was Blair to, oh my God. to be Harris with a one-handed pass out of bounds. 
yeah, that happened. And I thought, look, you know, if like you were back in the day, if you were playing, you know, Nintendo or one of the first PlayStations, you'd just be like, look, we're just gonna, we're just gonna like restart this game, okay? Like the game can't start like that, where he just casually, you know, we're not getting paid per mention of casual, but just casually passes it to Harris, who's not where he thinks he is, and it just goes out of bounds. But that's one of those turnovers that doesn't immediately lead to points. So I think while while they didn't get a shot off, it doesn't you you don't get like negative two or three off that. So if you have to pick a turnover, maybe that's the one. I already mentioned points off turnovers. Georgetown survived that stat, losing by only five in a game where they almost had twenty five turnovers. Fast break points. Georgetown eighteen to six edge over Butler in the first meeting. It was a 5-5 stalemate on fast break points in a game that Georgetown was up at the half and lost by eight. And I think we could agree on this. Georgetown's not beating anybody if they have only five points off fast break. So I thought they did a pretty good job there. Yeah, I, th- I thought we were fine. I thought I thought that was fine. Butler made it easy for us in this game by taking a lot of really deep contested shots. Do you know how to, is it, what is it? Is it GIF or GIF? What's the uh, correct way to say it? Whatever you want to call it, it's fine with me. Okay. So I want someone to listen, someone that's listening, and I know there's a lot of you. I love you all. I want a GIF of Belay going coast to coast. Like, I want to use that all the time. It's going to make me cringe every time I see it. <laughs> so post game, let me just fill you in. I know that you weren't, you weren't part of that. We got Ewing first, then we got Blair and Pickett. Everyone kind of said what you would expect. You know, Blair and Pickett were you know, they were very happy and, you know, felt, you know, honored and blessed to get to the thousand point mark, but they weren't, you know, just talking about themselves. I did think Pickett said something interesting. He said that he was talking to Ewing Jr. after the game. And I don't know if Blair and Pickett were giving him some stuff for not him not being a thousand point score. And then Ewing said, well, you know what? I went to a final four. And then Pickett said, I would absolutely trade a thousand points for being in the final four. So I thought that was a pretty good exchange and just sort of you know, a glimpse into behind the Georgetown curtain that we kind of get more, we get more and more a little bit as time goes on. So I thought that was kind of a cool moment. I did ask Ewing, I said, look, with a week off, what do we think? You think you're going to get a game? Are you hopeful you get a game? And, you know, he said that they're looking for an opponent and, you know, you never know what the Big East might might come up with. I guess I just said a bunch of stuff there. You have any any comments on what what Pickett said about his exchange with uh, Patrick? Well, Ewing also only played two years at Georgetown, so it's a lot harder for him to get a thousand points, especially I coming think, off the bench. I think he might have meant for his whole career, but yeah, well, for his whole career. Well, I, I mean, sure, it's a nice thing to say. I also appreciated in your interview with Javon talking about the fact that he's still in touch with Jagan all the time and and Marcus Derrickson and Jesse and all those guys. It's nice. It's something we don't hear a lot about, but it's nice to see that we have a brotherhood of our own and that, that these guys are frequently in touch and rooting for each other. No, for sure. I think that those things, and uh, I appreciate you listening. I thought it was really great that we got a current player on Kente Corner as we turned 100, which where did the time go? But anyway, I just thought it was interesting because we all have sort of an idea of what we think is going on and we probably don't know enough. And it, it is, it is cool to hear how these guys, and it, you know, it's, it's a lot easier, you know, if this is 25 years ago, whatever, you know, whenever cell phones became popular, but they had the ability 
you know, Blair can, or Mosley can keep up with the team from what is he in? Oh, I forget now. Is it, is it Turkey or Allen's in Turkey? Forget where uh, Mosley is, but anyway, he could just, he could just converse yeah. with them all the time and give them advice. Absolutely. I'm looking forward I'm to trying. buying a Jake and Mosley brand shirt. Yeah. Real quick. What is the deal with, is that, is that through Mosley? Is it someone else? Like what? I assume it's through Mosley, but I'm not sure. Looks good. Are you are you on pins and needles about finding an opponent for this week? I would like an opponent for this week. I also, look, I, I know our biggest record isn't great. I appreciate that we have four wins. And look, we've, we've played Villanova and Creighton, the two best teams in the league, twice already. We have four four wins without playing DePaul a single time yet. So that's, it's not bad. I also, I appreciate the fact that, you mentioned this earlier, but for Blair and Pickett, it probably was a little personal with Butler, never beating Butler at home. And I think, I, I may be wrong, but I think in all three of their, uh, in all three of the home, previous home games in their careers, we blew double-digit leads. And that's the, the first game we lost to Butler at home in the Ewing era was we blew a 19 or 21-point lead at home in his first-ever Big East game. That was that was brutal, and that that was shortly after uh, losing a home game after blowing a double digit lead to Syracuse. So I I do think they take it personally. So I I like how they uh, uh, were able to respond in this one and kind of blow them out and keep that lead. Yeah. So in that in that game that you're talking about, you're exactly right. That you know they obviously played that really soft schedule, but then when they were up big at you know versus Syracuse at home, you start thinking, hey. Soft schedule, be damned. This this team's you know pretty good, and you know that that game didn't go their way. And then I'm looking here in the second half with about eight minutes left. Georgetown on Ken Palm had a 95 percent probability of winning. I want to say, do they have a guy? There, I think there's a guy named Nate Fowler that hit like this. Like he's like a he was like a very small bit player for Butler. He hit a big shot. Do they have a guy named like Weidman at one point? Yep. I want to say Weidman. Like they said guys that out of nowhere just doing these things that they don't do. And I know apparently we learned you've got this great admiration for the Butler program that I just it just escapes me. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll tell you this. When they when they played them in 2010, I guess it was maybe November or December of 09, and they were they had been that darling even before they got to the final fours. I remember just that win to me was just very satisfying. Because at that point, I'm just like, they stink. I'm tired of hearing about this group. Um, obviously, we know the way that we know the way that season went. But I remember that game in particular just being, for me, very satisfying. The game at Butler was you're talking about the one where DSR missed a free throw, but then got a steal just before the end of the game. No, no, I'm I, I'm talking about the one in I'm 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 on it now. The one in December of 2009. At MSG. Oh, that was great. I was there. I was. Yeah, yeah that was. Yeah. So we, at, at that we, point, we crushed them. We blew them out. Right. At that point, I think they were still on the horizon. And we know how the season ended. They, you know, were <laughs> they were a shot away from winning at the buzzer. But I remember at that point just being like, look, I'm tired of their stuff. Like, I know their deal. You know, it's a, one of those programs that gets credit for beating a team. But then if you beat them, it's like, oh, well, big deal. You beat Butler. Who cares? And I think maybe that's where a little bit of my angst comes from. There's a couple schools that they get all the credit for a win. And Butler is obviously in the Big East now, so it's different. 
but you'll get these like, you know, oh, it's great when they win and you beat them. And you're like, well, of course you beat, you beat so-and-so you're supposed to. So for whatever reason, that wasn't a, God, that was a great schedule. So <laughs> they played Butler. Then they went out and played Washington. Then they're just, you know, rocking and rolling. And then they come home and lose to Old Dominion in a snowstorm. But anyway. One one thing I'll flag, just, just okay. because I don't think you guys raised this after the, the Creighton game. For as bad as we played, and that was arguably the worst game, the worst performance in the Ewing era. And that's saying a lot because... It's the fewest points. It's, it's the few well and the fewest and the fewest points allowed by a Creighton team in the Big East so yeah. there's that too but and and I mean it's it's right there with that game at DePaul where you know we lost by 31 or whatever it was hey you know what we got absolutely punished Max Struess is an NBA star now so that game doesn't look as bad <laughs> I, I, I mean well <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, be go that on. as it may. But I, I, I was just going to say, I, I think McDermott deserves a lot of credit because he, the, the two things that worked, two of the things that worked very well for us uh, at Creighton and against Villanova, he took away, and that was they they just completely shut down Wahab and Ego Fa in the post, and they they wouldn't leave Blair alone on the perimeter. Blair loves his little James Harden step back three contested or otherwise. And they, they would not let him get anywhere near the the three point line without two guys around him at all times. And they forced him to pass the ball. And he, you know, as we saw today, sometimes he, he struggles. Um, But what happened down low also, the, the comment where I, I heard this and I was like, there's no way that's true, but I think it's true. Wahab only has two assists on the entire season. And we just watching these games, we know that he's, I I know people want Wahab to develop an outside shot and that'll round out his game and and make him more sort of NBA ready. Cause if he can cultivate a mid range game to go with his really, really solid uh, post moves at this stage, that'll make him so much better. But for me, even before we get there, it's his ability to pass the ball because he catches the ball in the paint and then he just goes up, whether there's one guy or two guys, no matter the circumstance. Sometimes he puts the ball on the floor when he shouldn't, but he, he's not looking to pass the ball out. And if he, if when he catches it, if he's doubled in the post or doesn't have a good look, if he can pass it out with some regularity, that makes our team so much more dangerous. It, it'll give us wide open looks. Our guys can hit threes when they're, when they're open shots. I want to see him develop an ability to, to pass the ball. And I will say that today, more than any other game, he had a few passes out of the post when he didn't have great looks. So there's baby steps to be sure, but that's, that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing in his growth as a player. And the, the other thing I'll point out in terms of a like, the, our, the shots we took, I mean, we went 50% from three. We took really good shots. There was some really good ball movement, whether it was sort of around the perimeter or inside out at times. Uh, our shots were typically wide open threes. So you didn't have as much of the Blair hero ball. You didn't have Chudy Bile shooting in, into, you know, two guys from the perimeter. Uh, and you didn't have the same from, from Pickett. Our guys took wide open threes. And lo and behold, half of them went in because we have – Pretty good perimeter shooters. There's a lot to comment on that. 
I totally agree about Wahab. He didn't have an assist today, so he is still at two for the season. I don't have his career numbers in front of me, but I'm sure it's not much more. And, and you're right. It's not so much that he shouldn't, the expectation shouldn't be that if he gets the ball, it has to either go up or don't pass it to him. Do you want him to limit the amount of dribble, dribble methodically and mechanically trying to get a better spot? If there's no risk, teams could just flood it. They, they, they could just they double if there's no, like, look, we know this guy's not going to pass out of this. That's just not what happens. And so I think that he's a very good player. He almost had another double-double today. He's near the top of the Big East. I think he has four. Um, I think the leader might have seven or eight. I look at the weekly stuff all the time. But, um, yeah, he does need to become more effective passing out of the post because, as we know, I'm sure you're, you know, a three-point legend in your neck of the woods. When a three-point shooter is looking at the rim and the ball's coming as you're looking at the rim, that's a, that's, that's a really good shot, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, I want to say, so, yeah, it's funny that you bring up the fact that that was the fewest points that Creighton had allowed in a Big East game. I jumped on the Creighton Zoom. I was actually considering just only going to the Creighton Zoom because of how bad the Georgetown game was in that I thought McDermott might say some interesting things where I know Patrick was really upset and I don't think he was going to get into, you know, really parsing every little detail. I th- I think it was more of a, a macro event for him of, you know, he, he ended up going with selfish. He could have chosen, you know, I guess some other words too, sloppy, you know, silly, stupid, whatever you want to say. But I got on there late and I caught the end of one of the players. And then as the Zoom was still going, their SID was talking to some of their reporters. And I'm just listening as I'm trying to get ready for Kente Corner. And I heard one of the one of the uh, reporters say, hey, is that the fewest points we've held somebody in a Big East game? And the SID was like, no, I don't think so. I'm sure we've held people to fewer. And so that, you know, luckily Creighton hasn't been in the league that long. So I was just like, okay, I'll look this up. And I was like, oh my God, it is. So I put that stat out there. I thought the first Creighton game would go different because I thought that they would take advantage if Georgetown played big. And if you remember, that's not the way it worked. Ego FA was very effective. He was like plus 19 in like 10 minutes of play. And you're right. It was a total reverse. That game was just just a total reverse. When we don't play selfishly, we look... (laughs) like, a, like a, a pretty good team. I, I think there's only been that Creighton game and maybe there was one other game that we were never really in. But every other game, no matter our opponent, we've been in the game in, in the last, like, three, four minutes. So it's it just goes to show, like, we can hang with these teams. We're typically not a team that struggles to score. Our rebounding is phenomenal. Uh, our, our free throw shooting is, is pretty good. We have guys who can hit threes, so uh, you have we have you know very good post post play. It's it's really just these mental mistakes that makes you know this group of Hoyas really challenging to to watch and just kind of the lack of the lack of consistency. I hadn't really thought. I mean, I thought of it for a second a while ago, and I, you you bring up a good point in that Georgetown four and seven is probably a little bit better than I might've thought they would be. And then when, when, when you dig deeper into that record, that include, like you said, that, that includes four games against, you know, Villanova and Creighton where, where they, where they went one and three. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how many games are going to get rescheduled for them. 
They've got five games left. They should have nine. I I, I would hope that they would get to at least seven. Uh, I'm not going to even try and predict how they're going to get to that level. But they've got a shot at having a much better season than I thought. And then that's not even considering they lost Jalen Harris after, I want to say it was five or six games. I, I think that I said it 20 minutes ago, if you reverse Navy and maybe give them the Syracuse win, you throw in the fact that Pickett and Blair went for over a thousand. Blair's going to finish as, you know, the third time in um, three pointers. This group that was like a completely put together at the last minute situation. I think the season's gone pretty well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of what ifs too. I mean, like we yeah. probably should have won against West Virginia. We should have, we might've won that other St. John's game. We were up 17, 18 points on Villanova at home. We were, yeah, uh, you know, they're all, there. there's a lot there. We certainly, we probably shouldn't have lost that game at Hinkle where we were up 11 points or so in the second half. There's, so there's, there's a lot there. Uh, but I, I don't know that this has been a successful season, but where I do give Ewing the benefit of the doubt is, especially when you look at the backcourt and, and, and point guards, when you think about it, we lost Terrell Allen. Then we lost Mac McClung. We were, we were supposed to have Tyler Beard, who ended up at Hargrave. Then we were supposed to have Jalen Harris. So we're basically on like option five at the point right now. I don't think, I don't think anyone seriously considered Javon Blair as, as like an option at the one if necessary. And sometimes he has had to play the one with mixed results, but you know, having Dante as the guy unexpectedly, all things considered, we're playing very well. So it, it's hard to complain too much about all of the turnovers when you consider we, you know, this is option five or six at point guard from what we thought it would be a year ago. Yeah, like I said, I thought maybe if like if they played twenty Big East games, I was thinking five and fifteen. Okay, and they're four and seven without playing DePaul yet. So yeah, and every every game on the schedule is winnable. Every game, every game on like full stop, including the Big East tournament. I don't think, and they were in both of those Villanova games. They beat Creighton once, and every game on the schedule, I I do think they have a a decent chance to win. They haven't played Xavier or Creighton yet. Georgetown has the same number of conference wins as, wins as Xavier right now. Xavier just hasn't played a lot of games. <laughs> Who knows how good or bad Xavier is? And we'll we'll kind of see. I mean, with the exception of the Creighton win, it's not like Georgetown has juggernaut conference victories, but I I do think there's a chance Georgetown can go on a little bit of a run here and and get some wins. And if they can get Fairly close, you know. If 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 somehow Georgetown finishes 500 in the conference, then I'll say this is definitely a better than expected result. But but right now there's still 10 out of 11 teams in terms of conference record, so it's hard to be too optimistic. Well, they've moved percentage points ahead of Marquette. Marquette, another team we should have beaten. You know, so four and seven is better than five and nine, is what uh, is what the old uh, standings are telling me right now. No, I, I think it's really important for Georgetown that they get they get the DePaul game rescheduled and they get the Providence game rescheduled because then then you're talking about being in some business. Oh man! But it was cool. It was nice to see them for the narrative of after the break. Even though the Villanova lo- was a loss, that sort of felt like a little bit of a win. 
as far as just how they played. So I think I think it was good for the for the program to not revert back to oh you know woe is me type stuff and come out and just just give it to somebody, even though the game was so choppy and there there was a point in the second half where they were reviewing multiple calls. Georgetown was up I think like eighteen with two minutes left and I felt like I was at the dentist office. I, I got to say though that the Villanova game. <laughs> I when I was shouting at the TV, I mean that was probably the first time all year where I was shouting at the TV because I genuinely thought we should have won that game. We were really in just so many, you know, with a tie game and and Pickett dribbling off his knee out of bounds and a couple of those misses at the end, a couple of the whistles they blew in the last five minutes of the game, just just a really tough one to swallow. But I. That game made me excited, though, because it really was the first time this season where I was like, we're we're playing on the road against the number three team in the country, and I feel like we should win this game. I don't think this is a fluke at all. I think our team is playing really well, and but for some turnovers and some sloppy play at the end, we should have won the game. So I, I was upset we didn't win, but I was glad to finally feel like we were competitive against a really good basketball team. So I take comfort in that fact. Yeah. You, you weren't on, obviously. What did you think about the idea that, hey, you know what? If Samuels beats us from three, he beats us from three. He had eight threes on the season. I, I know, but game. at some point, don't you make an adjustment in the game because things are going different? Uh, yeah. Look, I don't, I don't like the fact that he was wide open when he was getting <laughs> those shots. And you definitely have to adjust. He didn't do as much in the second half. What He finished the game with six threes, five or six threes. I think it was six for seven, it, yeah. It, look, it got when, when any guy goes six for seven from deep, especially one who only had eight threes in three months leading up to that point, <laughs> it's, that's, there's, there's only so much you can do. But I, I think we did well against, you know, their three best players in the game. And, I mean, you, you mentioned this too against Creighton. What a weird stat line all of that was. Like, we basically shut down Zegarowski. We shut down uh, uh, what's-his-face, who went one for, one for nine, and his only Mahoney? basket was at the end of the game. Mahoney. We shut down Zegarowski and Mahoney, and Creighton shot horribly, and yet we still got completely blown out. And it was just but but of course, like you know, when when uh, when guys twenty four like turnovers, wider, sixteen made shots. That, that's I mean it's right. It's it's the turnovers. But but even look when when guys like Cole Swider are hitting two threes in a game, you just kind of be like you, you got to say all right. I don't I don't mind Cole Swider hitting threes. I did love though how our first <laughs> basket in that Villanova game was a Wahab dunk, and it just it made me think about maybe think of the. Brandon Bowman reverse dunk against UConn in the Big East tournament to start that game. It made me start think about like our opening against Duke, and then it would have been what our our most recent top five victory. Anyway, um, yeah. But I've got to go in a second. Sounds like you might need to wrap things up. And why? Thank you for coming. Are you going to be doing? Uh, we all look forward to the awards. The last one was very good. I recommend everyone checking it out on Casual Hoya. You do a great job there. Do we need an awards after a, a home win against uh, Butler? It snapped a five-game losing streak to what I think is just a, <laughs> you know, a fly-by-night organization. Uh, 
we'll we'll take it under advisement. <laughs> I will say that it does seem like a good time for uh, some sort you of had, look, play on. Two guys Cardi, went over a thousand B points. Yeah, two guys went over a thousand points. They each had technical foul. I feel confident that while I'm sure two players have hit a thousand in the same game, I doubt they both picked up technicals in that game. So I feel like there's a lot to digest in this win that could be brought out in a long form, um, you know, medium. We could do, I feel like maybe the awards got to the players' heads the last time. Maybe we'll do a little, uh, bring back the likes and dislikes for this one and, you know, give a written, a written form of this uh, podcast for those who prefer the written word. <laughs> yes, I'll but. let someone else transcribe. I do enough of that. And why I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank everyone for listening. Go and subscribe. Casual Hoya, if you're listening, you already know where to find it. And let me know what you want to hear going forward. And uh, we'll see you next time. Happy President's Day, everyone.